We know the Cardinals are selling, but are the Dodgers a good match to make a deal with as the trade deadline continues to creep closer? This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, and a lifetime Cardinals fan. And I'm your host for Locked on Cardinals, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio and the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and comment. Hit the notification button so you know when the new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. So the Cardinals dropped three of four in Chicago, and um, that's pretty much hammer, nail, coffin (laughs) on what was a fun little stretch where the guys showed some hard and played some great baseball, gave us a glimpse of how good the team can be when the the pitching is actually good. And then when the starting pitching went sour again, we saw the return of a team that has disappointed for most of the season. So we're going to talk more about the Chicago series a little bit later. But this weekend was almost, in my opinion, a blessing in disguise. As much as we want the Cardinals to win every single game, and as much as it was a lot of fun over that six-game stretch where they won six in a row, um the hope that a magical 2021 type of run was about to take place wasn't something that I really believed in. Um, It's just not realistic. Things like that don't happen very often. And if something like that had occurred, did we really need this team built the way it is to sneak into a wild card spot and give some, even a little bit of vindication to the front office that the poor decision-making that was done, which led to this catastrophic season, was somehow working? I don't think so. I don't think so. Absolutely not. I mean, it was fun to see them winning again. It definitely is more fun to talk about the Cardinals when they are winning, but I know you don't want that. I know you don't want Mo saying, see, told you so. We're not that bad. You, you didn't want that. And I like the fact that John Mozeliak admitted as much that even with the team winning games recently, that it likely wouldn't change the mindset of thinking more about 2024 in the future rather than what the rest of the season was going to look like. And with the Cubs basically extinguishing the streak and hope <laughs> with a little with a little help from uh, home plate umpire Ron Culpa, perhaps we can all focus a little more on what is about to happen at the trade deadline, which was always more realistic, and that's that the Cardinals are going to start moving some people. Because whether you admit it or not, this is an exciting time for the Cardinals. It's just an exciting time in a different way for all the wrong reasons. Like you don't want it to be exciting because you're trading away people. You know it was exciting last year. When the Cardinals were thinking about making moves, this was Juan Soto time we were talking about last year. And that didn't happen, but it was an exciting time to see them up at the at the game in Washington with Mosellock up in the box with the GM for the Nationals. And they're sitting there and chatting. We're all like, oh, my gosh, they're talking about Soto right now. And then they handshake and we're like, oh, my gosh, Soto's coming. And then it didn't happen. But then you had the moves for Jordan Montgomery and you had the moves for Jose Quintana. And things worked out pretty well for the rest of the season. Real change is about to take place with the Cardinals now. 
where guys that we're used to seeing on this team are no longer going to be here. They're going to start shipping people out. The Henesis Cabrera trade is hopefully just kind of Mo clearing his throat, if you would, as he tries to get the most he can from the guys on this roster and at Memphis, because there's people down there that people would like that just are not going to be a part of this club's future. I'm thinking about guys like Luke and Baker, maybe a Moises Gomez, guys that probably aren't going to be on the Cardinals and could be used to go find other pieces, maybe some new relief pitchers. Who knows? I don't know what Bo's going to be able to do. But we talked about some trade scenarios with the Yankees last week, which we got a lot of great feedback. So I appreciate all of you for chiming in. And uh, another team that feels like it's going to be a pretty good partner for the Cardinals is the Los Angeles Dodgers, because they've got a lot of talent, a lot of pitching talent, to be more specific, that the Cardinals are certainly interested in. Uh, it's a team with World Series aspirations again this year. They're trying to fend off the Diamondbacks, the, the surprising Giants who were just hanging around. Is there a more weird team that's good than the San Francisco Giants? I mean, holy cow. I mean, you can't name half the people on their roster. And they've got no superstars. And yet, there they are, <laughs> making a run again in the NL West. Um, but with the Dodgers, if and when they do get to the postseason – they will likely have to, if they get through, you know, the early rounds, they'll probably have to face Atlanta, who's got the best record in baseball to get to the World Series. And then they got to face whoever's on the other side, whether it's going to be uh, Texas or or Tampa Bay, whoever it may be. So um, it ain't going to be easy. Katie Wu, who covers the Cardinals for The Athletic, who is a fantastic follow on Twitter. Uh, also, if you're not a, a subscriber to the athletic, like she does a great job there too. Um, did another crossover piece this time with Fabian Ardea, who covers the, the Dodgers for the athletic discussing possible trade scenarios between the clubs and pitching is obviously the main focus for, for both teams in this one. Although we get into a little outfielder talk as well. So, um, if you don't know, the Dodgers have been pretty much decimated by injuries in their starting rotation as good as they are. Imagine if they had a healthy pitching staff, you know, Clayton Kershaw, he's been incredible again this year, but he's currently out with a shoulder issue. Noah Syndergaard, I know nothing special, but he's close to returning. He's been out with uh, blister issues on his pitching fingers. Uh, Dustin May, who is an enormous talent, but Done for the year. Another elbow surgery, his second one in the last three seasons. Walker Bueller, who arguably is their best pitcher. He's been out all year after Tommy John's surgery and likely won't be back until next season. And with them out, you still have Tony Gonsolin and Julio Rios and rookies Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, Michael Grove. And they're going to need some guys who are a couple of solid starters. They don't need another ace to come in there, but they need some guys that can take some of the pressure off those young guys at the back of the rotation. And uh, to that, I say, hello, we have a guy named Jordan Montgomery and a guy named Jack Flaherty, Mr. California himself, right? Uh, one or both of these guys could slide right into the Dodgers rotation and fix their depth issue. I mean, imagine if a rotation with Kershaw when he comes back, Urias, Montgomery or Flaherty or both, then Gonsolin, and then like Bobby Miller is your number five. That's not too shabby. And the Dodgers have what the Cardinals want, and that's young, controllable pitchers who are major league ready or at least close to it. Now, in the article, they bring up Miller, Sheehan, and Grove, obviously, because they're guys who are already in the rotation. I mean, if you could get Bobby Miller from the Dodgers, holy crap, but that's not probably going to happen. But also they bring up names like Gavin Stone, who is the uh, Dodgers' number four prospect. Landon Knack, who's number 17. 
Nick Frasso, who's number eight, and then uh, River Ryan, who's number 11. Now, Frasso is a guy that I'm pretty intrigued by. Uh, we're going to talk more about him in a moment. But um, they also bring up their number two prospect, Michael Bush. But uh, Ardea says that that may feel like a bit of redundancy for St. Louis because Bush is a second baseman slash outfielder. And, you know, you've got an Edmund, you've got a Donovan who are similar players like that. The difference is Bush has actually got a lot of power. He hit 32 home runs last year in the minor leagues. He's uh, he's he's got more power, like Gorman type of power, but is a, you know, a better batting average type of hitter than Gorman would be. And obviously, if he's playing the outfield, uh, he's a little more athletic than probably Nolan Gorman is. But Again, is that something you're looking for? Probably not. But if you trade off somebody like an Edmund or a Donovan as well, um, maybe you are in the market for a guy like Bush. But uh, they then move on to start talking about outfielders. And Ardea says, uh, quote, someone like Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson would lengthen a lineup that has already performed better than expected. Now, Ardea brings up Jordan Hicks, Giovanni Gallegos. We know Hicks is available, although I'd prefer to keep him around. But Gallegos was a name that Surprised me a little bit. Uh, Katie said this about Geo. The Cardinals will also entertain offers on Gallegos, but to a lesser extent than Hicks. St. Louis signed Gallegos to a two-year $11 million deal at the end of last season to carry him through his remaining arbitration years and included a team option for 2025. They'd like to keep him. He's a durable, high-leverage arm and a favorite among the staff, but would include him in a deal for the right return. Personally, I have no qualms with training Giovanni Gallegos I know he's better than we all give him credit for. He really is. But I think you feel the same way as I do that I've just seen so many blown saves and games where uh, the slider just doesn't work today and he gives up a bomb to tie up the game or to lose the game. I mean, I'm just, do you feel all that confident? Anytime Gallegos comes in the game, are you like, cool, lockdown. We got this one. I don't, I never do. I never know what kind of geo you're going to get coming out of that bullpen when the door swings open. So I'm okay if they want to move on from Gallegos. I don't have a problem with that. I'd much rather keep Hicks. But as mentioned, Hicks, he can test free agency. He's younger. There was 104. You've got geo locked up. You know he's going to be on your team next year if you decide not to trade him. Do you trust the Cardinals when the season's over if they don't trade Hicks to outbid whoever comes looking for Hicks to add them to their team in the offseason. I don't know. I, I mean, it's hard to see the Cardinals outbidding people for guys ever. So that's the risk you would be taking. Now, in the end, they settle on an outfield bat like O'Neill and Carlson for Grove and one of the minor league arms like Nick Frasso. Now, Katie says this about those two particular pitchers. Grove's 2023 numbers aren't great, but his four-pitch arsenal and upper 90s fastball velocity are two tools the Cardinals would be eager about. Frasso has an exceptional fastball that sits 95-97 with plenty of life and can fill the zone. These two arms would fit into the Cardinals' preferred demographic. The Frasso guy has got some crazy like strikeout potential, which is something that the Cardinals are really, really looking for, which is why he's the guy that intrigues me the most. Like If you go to um, the, the, the scouting of the players like the top prospects for the Dodgers and you go to Frasso's name, uh, you know how like the scouting only goes, it goes from, uh, I think it's 20 to 80 is the rating scale. Frasso's got a 75 fastball. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. I want elite stuff, like the stuff where it's like 55s and 60s as the ratings. That's great and all, but I, I want to see an elite number out of somebody. And that's what he, uh, that's what he's got there. So 
I'd prefer to keep Dylan over O'Neal for all the reasons that we've brought up previously, you know, team control, price, age, injury history. But if you can get Grove and Frasso in return for one of them, I think you got to do that. I, I, I'm kind of all in on that one. Heck, if you can get somehow get Gavin Stone from them, who's our number four uh, prospect included by you adding Hicks or Gallegos. Again, I'd rather keep Hicks, but if you can pull him out of there somehow as well, bring it on. Bring it on. You'd still have Monty and Flaherty to dangle for other teams like the Yankees, the Giants, the D-backs, uh, Orioles. They were mentioned recently. Maybe uh, the Orioles and Montgomery would be a fit. Even though the Marlins have hit the skids recently, um, they're still just a half game back in the wild card. Are they desperate enough that you could pry one of their young arms away from them for a Flaherty or a Montgomery or one of the outfielders? We'll be talking more about these teams throughout the week as the deadline comes up. You know, it's a it's a week from tomorrow. We're almost there. Uh, let me know what your Dodgers Cardinals trade offers are in the comments below on YouTube and on Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Up next, let's talk about the disappointing weekend in Chicago where uh, the Cubs likely sealed the fate of the uh, 2023 Cardinals. We'll get into that next on Locked on Cardinals. If you want to win 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball, then the Sleeper app, I'm telling you, you guys should be checking this thing out if you haven't already. It's a fantasy sports and real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. It's become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users in 2022. And it's earned some of the highest levels of engagement per user in the industry. Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. So you got uh, tonight in Arizona, Adam Wainwright is back on the hill. How much do you trust Adam Wainwright when he comes back tonight from the, uh, the shoulder issue? Is he going to rebound? Well, is, uh, is it maybe smart to put some money on somebody like, you know, the Arizona's Corbin Carroll or, or Christian Walker or Cattell Marte. Some of the guys that, are pretty darn good in that Arizona lineup, but that'd be the uh, smarter move. A lot of good sticks for the Diamondbacks. Think about it. On Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with up to 100 times payouts. All you got to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and whatnot. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less, uh, safe and fast withdrawals, Currently operational in over 30 states. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. The Cardinals battle the Diamondbacks tonight. You can catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast with the Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Thank you again for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. As always, make sure you're uh, commenting on YouTube. Hit me up on Twitter anytime you want. Your feedback is always welcome and encouraged. Uh, this past weekend at Wrigley Field, you had all the feels of the playoff series. Like, that That was fun. That was entertaining, which is uh, great considering me that Neither of these teams are going anywhere here in 2023. Um, just kind of shows you how great this rivalry still is. So kudos to the Cubs and the Cardinals fans who all went out to Wrigley and uh, made it just a big party over the last four days because that was it was entertaining. You know, each game was fun to watch, I would say, except for Sunday's 7-2 to loss. And once again, it was the starting pitching that faltered for the Cardinals, which led them to 
dropped three or four. Uh, Thursday, Matt's really, really good. You had to be encouraged what you saw out of Steven Matt's on Thursday. Uh, he's a guy that's probably going to be in your rotation next year. So um, if you can get him right again <laughs> going into 2024, that's good. Uh, Cardinals offense knocks around Stroman again. Cards win that one uh, pretty easily on Thursday. Friday, you got really good pitching on both sides. Uh, Justin Steele for the Cubs, who's outstanding against Jack Flaherty for the Birds. Great game until the awful home plate umpire Ron Culpa call in the eighth inning. That would have tied the game. Cardinals end up falling four to three outside of the Culpa shenanigans. A great game to watch, right? Um, you were you were pretty happy with that. You're like, ah, oh, that's a tough one to take. But at the same time, I walked away from it going, you know, that was entertaining baseball. I enjoyed that one. Saturday, a day that the offense puts up six runs on 10 heads and they still lose. Ugh. That's that's where you're starting to revert back to what we saw earlier in the year, uh, specifically out of Michaelis. Watching that game was like PTSD flashbacks of uh, what Michaelis was going through in that first month of the season. Can't hit his spots. He's up in the zone. He's not getting the ball down, so guys are hitting the ball in the air. A lot of weak contact, but then that weak contact is finding holes all over the place. You know, Miles gets paper cut it to death in this one. Five runs on 11 hits. Uh, Zach Thompson comes in and didn't look great. Can't throw strikes when he gets in there. That's a problem. That was his problem uh, in the minor leagues this year. He just walks too many guys. He's got to figure out how to throw more strikes, really, is what it is. Uh, he walks two. He allows two hits. That leads to three runs and ends up taking the blown save and the loss. Cardinals follow that one eight to six. Sunday, your most reliable starter on the season thus far, and Jordan Montgomery gets beat up by the Cubbies for seven runs, five of those earned on six hits over six innings. Uh, you had that error on Monty in the first inning, which allowed the uh, third out to reach base, and when you know it, Cody Bellinger blasts a two-run home run, next hitter. That sets the tone for the game. Um, third inning, not good, two walks. RBI single by uh, Dansby Swanson with two strikes and a two-out double by Jan Gomes. Again, 0-2 pitch, which led to a five-run inning, which put the Birds down 7 to nothing, and that was basically it. Uh, Rob Raines pointed this out, that the um, the Cardinals have now allowed, this is crazy, 374 hits this season with two strikes. And if that seems high, it is. It leads all of Major League Baseball. Like, it is bizarre how all year they get two strikes on a hitter. And normally it feels like it's with two outs as well. And a hit, they come through. I, I don't know how you fix that. I don't know what it is, but it has not worked out well for the Cardinals this year. And if it seemed like Cody Bellinger kind of beat the Cardinals single-handedly over the last three games, he kind of did. <laughs> he knocked in three more on Sunday, which gave him nine RBIs over the last three games. Reigns points out that those are the most RBIs by a Cubs hitter against the Cardinals in three consecutive games at Wrigley since Jody Davis drove in 10 back in 1983. I think Jody Davis played for the Cardinals for a heartbeat. I might be wrong on that one, but definitely remember catcher Jody Davis back with the, with the Cubbies when I was a little kid. So. Um, that's it. It just drives me nuts when the Cardinals let one guy destroy them repeatedly. And that's what happened in this series. Bellinger went seven for 16 with two home runs and nine RBIs. The pitching, it stunk after Thursday, allowing 19 runs on 31 hits in 24 innings for a 6.38 ERA. They walked eight, they hit two guys, only struck out 22. Pitching, pitching, pitching. 
You know, it's why they are where they are, which is still in fourth place in the NL Central, but they're only a half game up on Pittsburgh now. I mean, the goal, I feel like, is to not finish in last place. Okay, that's where we're at for the rest of the season. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. I don't want to say at the end of the year, you're last place Cardinals. That That is not what I want to say. The team is going to go to Arizona next, and a familiar face will be back on the mound tonight. We'll talk about that next on Locked on Cardinals. The Cardinals are at Chase Field in Phoenix tonight against the Snakes, and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Last time we saw Adam Wainwright in a game was on the 4th of July in Miami uh, 20 days ago when he got blasted for seven runs on seven hits, including two home runs and just three and a third innings. It's been a, a brutal season for Wayno and what will be his final season in the major leagues. He's set to retire at the end of the year. And a lot of us, especially the way the season has gone, is uh, has, has wished that he had just retired along with Albert and Yachty last year because that was such a cool moment watching all three of them walk off the field. And the second part is you hate seeing what Wayno's going through this year where he's just been a shell of the former staff ace that we've known and loved for so long. Uh, after that game on July 4th, they placed Adam on the injured list with a shoulder strain, and many wondered if that was it if we'd ever see Adam Wainwright on a major league mound again, they thought maybe Wayno might be done. Some people were hoping that he would be done, that they just don't want to see it anymore. Um, that's not the case. He will be back on the mound tonight in Arizona, which I'm happy for. I, I hope that Adam comes through and he's feeling a lot better. We didn't know that he was going through as many injury issues as he was. And it's good that, you know, they took the time. He, uh, he got what he needed to get better. Um, he was scheduled to throw a live batting practice session today and face batters for the first time since going on the IL. But due to the number of relievers that the Cardinals just used in Chicago, they're like, screw it. <laughs> Let him start tonight. Uh, Adam reportedly feels great as far as the pain goes. Uh, he got two cortisone shots in the shoulder and in the back. And from everything I've seen, he feels amazing. He's walking around with a, a big smile on his face again. Lynn Worthy at stltoday.com got this quote from him saying, I said I'm not coming back if I'm featuring the same stuff. I'm going through the same problems and pains. I will not come back before that because it's not fair to the team. My only ask is when I am healthy, don't slow play me because I'm running out of time. So they're not going to slow play him at all. They're going to ship him right to Arizona, put him right onto the mound. Uh, he needs just two wins to reach 200 for his career. So hopefully the injuries, the pain, all of that stays away for the rest of the year. And he can uh, he can make that mark because we're all rooting for Adam to do that. Uh, speaking of injuries, Dolan Gorman's lower back issues have flared up again, which is why Taylor Motter was brought back up for the third time this season. Just keep him on the team. What are we doing? Just let him finish out the year with St. Louis. Uh, Gorman didn't play on Sunday. And there's no real reason to push him at this point of the season. Um, I, I don't foresee the Cardinals trading him for anybody, uh, at least not during the season. So um, I wouldn't worry so much about that. But there's no reason to push a back issue with one of your young sluggers. Really no big deal. Uh, Lars Newbar had to leave Sunday's game with right heel soreness. But Ali said that was just precautionary. It's something that was bothering him early on. They didn't want to make it worse. So he's not overly concerned about it. So, so that's good news. Um, the D-backs, meanwhile, just got swept in Cincinnati by the Reds. They're just 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They've fallen four games back 
of the Dodgers now in the NL West and are uh, tied with the Giants in the division and in the wild card chase. They're a half game behind the Reds in the wild card and just a half game up on Philly and Miami. So uh, they're struggling recently. They're trying to get back on track. And uh, I mean, why not play spoiler? and make them suffer some more. That's where we're at this season. So first pitch tonight will take place at 840 St. Louis time in Phoenix. Again, thank you for making Locks on Cardinals your first listen every day. Catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast for the series against Arizona with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. If you haven't already, please give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Help our channel and love for the Cardinals grow. You guys are the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.